0: Welcome to Eagle Nation, don't forget to join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter so you never miss an episode.
1: Well on this week's show we will discuss if the Eagles wings were clipped in the final siren and in bounce down we will preview the game against the Bombers this Saturday which looks, looks like being a very wet day, uh, welcome to the show Dan. Oh, thanks
0: for having me as always, uh, pity it wasn't on a better occasion after a great win but
1: Yep, oh, well, sometimes. you can't win them all. Uh, Wayne can't be here due to basketball coaching commitments, so um, he'll be docked his pay. Um, but let's get into it. Um, Oscar Allen has signed a three-year deal to stay at the club, and to the couple of people that are on social media that said he will leave, and because of Willy Rioli, well, I think you've just been found out you're wrong. So...
0: Well, I heard the opposite. I heard they uh, Oscar and held off for a while just to make sure Willie Rioli was staying, so... Well, I've got a question... the uh, complete opposite there, mate.
1: I've got a question about yeah. Willie in a second. Um, and the Indigenous jumper today was released. Uh, with a, I don't know how the actual pronunciation so I'm not going to say it. So it's a Rainbow Serpent, which is, takes up most of the jumper, um, done by Daryl Bellotti, who's done, I think, nearly all of our jumpers. Uh, what did you think of it, Dan? Have you seen it?
0: Um, oh, awesome jumper uh, first. Up, um, I think it's one of the best ones, yeah. I was gonna say a lot of people say it's the best one, but my favorite was probably the last design, which I think we even had for a couple of years,
1: yeah. The one I with the wings, our last
0: one, yeah. And I think it had the uh bird's feet, uh, yeah, pattern. I, I really love that jumper, and that's not no way putting this one down. This one is also a brilliant jumper.
1: Well, um, I'm just speaking with a couple of people off air, I'm not gonna, I mean, on social media, I'm not gonna say their names, but uh, there are, you know connected with the club uh, a couple of the indigenous boys have actually got the serpent as a tattoo so maybe that's the one reason why they went with this one um, yeah look I love all of them all the clubs have got brilliant jumpers um, uh, it's my favourite round of the year um, the Sir Doug Nicholls round um, it's over round 11 and 12 this year so I don't think ours is this week I think it's against Carlton team from from what I heard but I could be wrong we'll, we'll find out Saturday Let's get into some questions. Some AFL general ones, and then we've got a couple of Eagles ones in here. Who's the recruit of the year so far, mate?
0: I would have to say Hickey. I think they, um, just, they look such a better side with uh, Hickey uh, in that midfield with the Swans. And I think he's a key component why they're going so well this year.
1: Yeah, I'd have to probably agree. And then I'm going to chuck in Hind uh, Essendon. Cost him nothing. It cost him uh, a bucket of chips, pick 60, 68. And they gave Start up for six hundred to 700,000. And Hind's doing exactly the same job. He's a little bit different player, but it's like they're not missing anyone. So um, i chuck him in. Now, the MRO this week, uh, it's got to go to me. Do you keep it just Michael Christian or do you go back to three people on the panel because they're all all out of whack, mate?
0: Three people on the panel had way too much inconsistencies. You've got to ask the question, you know, is it just Christian's not the best man for the job? Like, I, don't, I like, prefer the one-man uh, scenario, but it's a flawed system. It's, it's not working. The two players that have gone up now, they're going to get off. It's at the tribunal now, so by the time this is uploaded, we'll probably get the result no way they're going to get suspended for those acts that they were footy acts and yes players came off uh concussed because of it but there was no malice behind it and by the rules it, it was done properly especially the tackle wasn't a dumping tackle wasn't a sling tackle he didn't pin the Um, He didn't get in
1: his back and he didn't drive his head into the ground. But both both the tackle ones, um, I just cannot believe. I hope they get off. Um, Then you saw, I think, Hardigan elbow Sam Walsh to the back of the head and he went down. He got three weeks. But Fogarty from Adelaide does it to an opposition and he hit him in the back of the shoulder blades and gets a fine. Now, that to me was a dog act. To me, straight away, that should have been one to two weeks. That's a dog act. You don't want to see that on the football field. Um, I just It's inconsistent. Um, and then you get Tex Walker that drives a guy into the ground who hasn't even got the ball in the middle of the ground, and he got a fine.
0: I'll tell you what, I've, i and we'll bring it back to Eagles because, you know, we're predominantly an Eagles our podcast. Like, the mummy tackle on Brander, was like, they talked about how great it was. To me, that's actually a dumping tackle. Now, Brander got concussed, he would be in big trouble for that. So, but because he didn't get concussed, they're all clapping how great it is. How can that be the difference? That action mummy did was a dumping split yep. tackle. He, he dumped him basically on his back. Um, and it was a lifting well, what... tackle. And Brander's a big boy, so he took that. Um, but then that's not looked at. But then another player is tackled legally and isn't a dumping tackle. Doesn't fit into the sling or yep. or any of these like categories. That is a dangerous tackle, and he got pinned for holding the ball. So it wasn't even a free kick. Like it was a perfectly executed tackle.
1: Yeah, well, look, they're paying the outcome, and that's what I've been going on about all year. It's inconsistent. And they've got to change it. If if you hit him in the head, it doesn't matter if it was hard, soft, or anything. That's two weeks. Simple as that. They, the NRL do it. You've got to simplify. There's too many grey areas in football, and having grey areas in the MRO is even worse. All right. It's been 57 years since Melbourne have won a flag, and they're probably on course to playing in the last, in, in a prelim anyway. But who's closer to the flag? Saints, 55 years, Freo, 27, Carlton, 26, Adelaide, 23, or the Roos, 22. It's a hard one to pick.
0: Well, Saints, if they can do what Melbourne's done now, and Melbourne's by no means guaranteed to win. No, I'm not saying. But what I mean is they've been able to rebound. They look like they're they're contenders. They're close. Right now you look like they're contenders. What I mean, can Saints do that? Because last year Melbourne looked like they were in trouble, have a bit more mature list. Because what people don't realise, Saints aren't a young rebuilding list now. The way they've built that side is they're actually one of the oldest teams in the comp. I believe they were the oldest fielded on the weekend. No, they are the third oldest on the weekend. Yeah, I think they're the oldest though now. They've got Frawley, Ryder, and there's a... Yeah, on the weekend. It's quite old. Uh, if they're they, the oldest list.
1: I think they're in the... And they might be the oldest list. They were the third oldest on the field, field. But like you said, they, they've gone in all guns. So uh,
0: Yeah, so if unless they can do what Melbourne did, you've got to put a line through them. They've damaged what they've done. And we just talked about how good Hines is. He's an ex-Saints player they've given up. So they've given up kids. Yeah. They brought in, you know, Hanbury. They brought in Ryder. They brought in all these players. Not all of them have worked out. So if they can't turn it around, say, next year you see a lot of problems, line through Saints. They're going to have to go back and rebuild again, which is horrible because you see that a lot. Now, I'm a massive fan of McKay and Walsh. So if they can build a side around those players and keep playing consistently, Colton, I think, would be the closest... If they can't do that, it would have to be ruse because in every building right now of top picks. They're going to be deplorable this year. They're going to be deplorable next year at the very least. They were deplorable the year before. So right there, you've got three years where you're getting a top three pick at least. And probably two of those, you're going to get the number one pick. So to me, if those t- clubs stumble... Then Ruse are in the best spot because they're where they've got to be to rebuild side property.
1: Well, you just said Hanbury; he's fast becoming the most expensive player in the competition. Oh, mate. Because he's played 13 games and his contract, I think it's at $150,000 a game at the moment.
0: Well, I heard something. <laughs> he was the highest played Saints player to ever be on their list, ever. Yeah, until and Hill. He's not, he's not playing very until well. Hill. No, Hill is. Yeah, he'll. he'll yeah, but he, I mean, Hannerbury. Yeah, well, he'll right now, yeah. is, and he's not playing very well at all. No. So he's another one that's a bit older and not producing. So they're very close to getting a line through and having to rebuild again.
1: All right, we just talked about Oscar at the top of the, uh, the you know, top of the show. Um, so this is a question from Eric on Facebook from San Jose, America. I forgot to put his last name, so I'll get back to him. I'll say it next show. He asked, what is Brander's is worth, money-wise, a season if he puts his hand up for a trade?
0: Oh, if someone's got to poach Brander out.
1: They'll have to pay 10% extra.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's usually more now. So, King right now, you're paying on promise yeah. in that 750 season. I honestly think he would be the same. Uh, Chair is getting that now, basically, with Frio. So, nowadays, you paid by potential, and Brand is showing potential this year, and
1: he's versatile. Is he worth a first round draft pick? To us, I think so. If you ask the
0: pick, it might
1: not be top 10, but, but it has to be first. Yeah, it has to be first round. Alright, um, well, we just had another question in there about uh, Oscar, but he's already signed, so and we don't know how much it is, but you just said Max King, 750, and a lot of people were saying Oscar's worth more, but I think Oscar's about around that mark. Should Thursday night footy be on every round of the year?
0: I'm not going to waste any time, most definitely.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Um, I reckon next year there might be a third party. Don't be surprised if Amazon throw their hat in the ring.
0: Well, rumours Seven have been trying to sell a game for a while now. Yeah, well... And they've been hard for footy, let's be
1: honest. I've heard it's Amazon. All right, does the Eagles media department need to stop the leak of stories injuries getting out to the public before they release a statement because it's become a bit of a pandemic of late and the leaking of Willie was was it designed to be leaked to test the reaction of the eagles masses
0: oh they're not deliberately uh released but good luck with that i mean media is a multi-billion dollar industry and let's be honest they've got sources there's not one club that stays tight-lipped Every saga. That's why I didn't want to come out with the racist finding and the racist
1: review. Eagles reviews. used to keep it all in house and you'd
0: it'd oh, be a surprise. Out, like and all, there's never a team never has a press conference, and I'm like, wow, I did not see that coming because the press conference always comes after the right. media's
1: already been reporting on it. Um, did really harm his chances with his Instagram post?
0: Well, I what first of all what he said, and I find he didn't. It wasn't about him, but you could read to him the he's about him. It's about the media and commentators bringing players down. Yeah, um, he didn't do himself any favours. But I agree with what he said. 100%. I agree with what he said. But, but yeah, it was stupid. Stay, yeah, stay low a bit, mate. That's Let's stupid. His crime here is swearing on a social media.
1: Yeah, but that was it. But his name's Willie Rioli. His name's I, in the media. You know, that's
0: what I mean, he get
1: the fuck off social media, mate. I
0: agree. He didn't do himself any favours. And he, but this the reason was, why I say it is because he. He
1: got off social media for the bulk of the 18 months and he he got off social media. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, your career's in a balance and you, I know you're sticking up for a brother and shit like that, but fuck me, sorry for the swearing. But honestly, pull your head in, Willie, because it hasn't been decided yet. Oh, Well, it has been decided, yeah. but not officially. But pull your head in, mate, because going forward... You only need the media to pick up on that one little thing like they have and they run with it. And then you get the cronies and all the bloody trolls out there going on about it and eagles don't need it because we've got enough bullshit going on you know, tainted cups and crap all that. Do
0: you think it was a little bit self-reflective as well? Like He's been no man's for two years and all he's been slammed. Some articles call him a drug cheat, and we all know oh, he's yeah. not a drug cheat, but there, that was never in the conversation. He was tampering with a But snap. there's a... There's a it, things like that, so... There's a chance then, to come yeah, out. But what I mean is the media... Oh, no, as I, yeah. I agree, he should not yeah. oppose that because you had no... Sound. But I just mean that post he made was about Marlon Pickett, but I couldn't help but look at that and think... You, you, it's almost all about you because the whole statement was the commentary and media bring players down. And he didn't like how to bring in Marlon Pickett down. And to him, he's had that for two years. The media are just all over him every time he yeah, makes a statement. Yeah. Down, we, just, we just touched on it. Yeah. He made a post which swore in it and the media's dragging him down. So I feel like he's just so angry at the media but that's the industry he's in now too so you do have to expect it but But I did think like you're clouded by what you've actually gone through personally and that's what aggravated the rant that little bit more I
1: think but there's a time to come out to do that and that's at the press conference when they continue your your association with the club and that's when you do it you know because it's controlled um, but like I said, pull your head in, Willie, because you've got one chance left, mate, and if you stuff it up, it's your fault. Um, last question, John from Instagram. I forgot to put his handle on there. Should the Eagles try and get Dean Cox to become a senior assistant to Simo at the view of taking over from him whenever he decides to leave the club?
0: I'd love to get yours on it first because I've got strong feelings on this myself.
1: Well, um, I've looked at our senior assistants and stuff like that. Jamie Graham's in there. Prady's in there. And, yeah, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Coxie back at the club. He's a respected um, person. Um, But, you know, hey, that's just my belief. Is he the best coach out there, the next coach in the way? I don't know. But having a difference of changing some assistant coaches around always helps the club out.
0: Yeah, see, I'm the opposite, and you—you you kind of almost touched on the reason why. No, I don't. Um, salary caps, caps and s- expenditures have been cut so much; it's hard to get a big-caliber assistant in. And I don't believe in succession plans, so he's almost hinting at that. Like,
1: yeah, I'll say so no I, the, I, I say no to. I like say no that. I say no to the succession yeah, plan,
0: and I don't like assistant coaches. Once the head coach is gone, then coming in because the game styles are very similar. Yep, right. if you'll get room there. And also, Uze and Sam Mitchell are the two assistant coaches that yep. are next in line. And Adam so if Kingsley. you're looking at something, yeah, Uze. Yep. Kingsley, um, just as, well, as good. Well, I've just Uze and yep. Mitchell are the only ones I actually yep. think are the next in line. So if you were looking at a replacement for Simo, they're the two you want. Yep. You, you gotta, Cox is a fan favourite because he's an Eagle.
1: That's that's it. All right, uh, let's get into the final siren. It's the final siren. Well, the Giants finished off stronger than the Eagles and they clipped our wings, let's be honest. They won 13-15-93 to 11-11-77. But in saying that, The game was there to be won, mate. Um, And a lot of people were negative on social media pages and all that. But if you look at the game in isolation, um, Giants really should have won by a lot more if you look at stats alone.
0: Well, that's the thing... (sighs) We played okay, we did not play great.
1: Yeah, no, we, we didn't ten, play great we
0: were at 10% all. 10% off. And that yep. game, you can't win a game when you're 10% off. And that's what this game showed. Um, I found the midfielders, I'm sure we'll go in more detail, played okay, but none of them played great. When you win a game, you need one or two midfielders to have great games. Yep. You can't have just okay games across the board. Um, like last week, the Crows really took, us, took it up to us. And then Darling had a great game, had a, especially a great quarter, and that turned the game. We just didn't have that this game.
1: Yeah, look, um, I agree totally with everything you said. Well, I just want to go – I know you love your stats. So I just want to run these stats by people. Giants had 101 more possessions than us. Um, they won the clearances by 10, 42 to 32. They had 33 more tackles, 79 to 46. And I've said for the three last three years – We're one of the worst tackling teams, and I'll give my reasons in a second. And they had 50 more marks. And now that's where, that's our game, where we control the air and we win. But we won the contested marks 17-10. Now, the reason why I'm saying these stats are, stats mean bullshit when you're looking at the game, because when you look at that in isolation, they should have beaten us by a lot more. And we only lost the game by two kicks. Mm So sometimes people go on about stats and, you know, you can manipulate them all you like. I just think, like you said, Eagles didn't have a great game. And to pick a best player, we're going to talk about in a second, was pretty hard. But with GWS, they had guys like Tom Green. He played a brilliant game. Um... Lockie, what's his name? Whitfield? What's his first name?
0: Lockie,
1: yeah. He's so he's so classy. And with him being back, he had 29. Ward probably had his best game in four years, 29 disposals. Hopper were at 28. Taranto did his average 25. Josh Kelly was 25. And Sam Taylor in defence, he was brilliant, but he's out for two months now. Yeah,
0: it's sad.
1: Uh, 21. Honestly. So that's what I picked out of the GWS side, out of the Eagles. Who do you think was the best
0: players? Well, a lot of people didn't see it the way I did, but I just thought Nick Nat was the only one that I thought actually had a great game. I found Nick Nat players, and Mummy tried to do it to him. They run into him and try and stop him having an impact. Yeah. But it didn't really work this time. Because you watch Marsh from Saints is very good at it, and Richmond, whoever's right, is very good. They run at him, and they actually block his jump, where Nick Nat was almost expecting that. Um, but the midfielders around, ground around his feet, gave them, there was no space. They closed it up because they knew yeah. that's great at taps. Um, I found that his metres gained, he had another game where he's 60% game time, basically. And he had his 15 disposals. He went for a run through the middle. He dominated the tap outs.
1: And we well, so had 30, it was 34 hit outs yeah. and three centre clearances. But he had eight clearances, five other clearances around the ground. Now, I'm glad you said Nick because I watched it on delayed telecast because, unfortunately, I don't have Foxell or Ko, So I've got to try and convince my wife to get me that one, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, But... um, I was looking on S, on um, social media and I was going, I've got to keep off this because I've got to keep off this. And all I was seeing was, oh, Nick knack he needs to do this, he needs to do that. And when I watch the game, I am saying, are these people watching the same game?
0: Yeah, I, I felt the same, as I said, like a lot of people didn't see it. He was quite easily the best player on the ground. I, I had it there. He's the only one I was had a great game because to me that is a great game. If there, A couple of those midfielders, uh, his feet had a great game as well. People would be speaking his highlights so... So, you know, generously, basically, of how great he played.
1: Well, we scored five goals from his clearances. So that tells me how good Nick Nat's gone. Shows he had an impact. and But people don't see that. And that's where, again, stats could tell you a story. But let's talk about the midfielders. Tim Kelly, he had 15... Um, oh, yeah, 23 possessions, but 15 of them were contested. He had eight clearances, along with uh, Nick, the most in the ground. He had 398 metres gained. Um... He was probably the best midfielder out of the lot. But again, it was an average game. I was
0: going to say, it sounds harsh, but yeah, he played okay. Yeah. Uh, bad. he didn't play great, he played okay.
1: Redden, he had 22 possessions, 11 contested, 28 pressure acts, whatever a pressure act is. Um, and then you had Gaffey, he had 28. He had the most possessions. He only had 310 metres gain and had four inside 50s. But I looked at his game and not one tackle. And what I like seeing is our smaller guys have tackles between Petricelli, um, Gaff, um, who else we got? Cripps. They only had uh, three tackles between all our small players on the ground. And that's under, I mean by under 190
0: centimetres. Yeah, that's the problem. So, like, you, when your tools don't mark the ball and the ball comes to ground, if you your smalls aren't doing it, Liam Ryan in that category. Liam Ryan, he's another one. Yeah, Liam Ryan, Cripps, Petricelli need to tackle and keep that pressure on. But I actually really want to talk about tackling as a whole because it's just such a big topic with the Eagles. And to me, there's two separate things with it. To me, you have to separate pressure yep. and tackling because to me, they're two separate things. Yeah, they are. Let, let me I'll, yep. I'll explain this yep. to the people listening, right? Tackling in itself is overrated. It is, mess- And I'll explain why. So... Basically, they're not rewarding holding the ball anymore. So you're tackling, you're going to ground with that player. I blame Bulldogs, but it's like, you know, competition wide now where they'll just throw the ball out. Now, on the weekend, you had Richmond won the tackle count, lost the game. Hawks won the tackle count, lost the game. Suns won the tackle count, lost the game. Melbourne won the tackle count. Lost the game. So to me, tackling, it, it is overrated. And not always, but majority of the time, if you win the tackle count, then that means you don't have
1: the You're second to the ball. That's exactly right. Yep.
0: So in a lot of times where there's a thrashing, the opposition has a higher tackle yep. because of that. Now, this brings me into where I separate tackling from pressure. The pressure on the weekend was terrible, and you need to pressure it because our game style is on possessing the ball. Yep. So basically we're always, and this is why we've always, so statistically we always have lower tackles, because we're a possession team. We have the ball in hand more often than any other team in the competition. So time in possession would be higher. But what our game style is also built on, we need to pressure these players, so we won't tackle them. We'll pressure them so they kick it forward. They long bomb it in. They don't set up a player. They don't kick it to a player. Because they're under pressure, they just bomb it forward, and then our intercept marks In mainly McGovern, who was sorely, sorely missed this game. Intercepts, because we are one of the best teams in the competition from attacking and scoring from defence. We are. So we don't tackle, but we need to pressure. And that's what we do. We corral. We pressure because we're trying to force the oppositions to kick it To kick it long. To intercept to mark. So pressure, yes, we need to lift that because that was down. Tackling in itself I don't agree. And it's a very old-fashioned Where People don't like to see that. But our game style doesn't lend to attack and game style. But the pressure needs to be there. And when the pressure's not there, and McGovern's not there to intercept, that's when we get hurt. And you saw that against G.
1: Well, I'm going to be the devil's advocate here. And I agree totally 100% with what you're saying. We missed McGovern. Uh, the pressure just wasn't there. Uh, and pressure can be measured in so many different ways, right? Um, my thing is with the tackling. If you're going to tackle, you've got to tackle correctly. And what I don't like about the Eagles is they tackle too low. They don't tackle around the arms. And they've been doing it for years because too many teams break the tackles of Eagles. And But when the Eagles get it right, and I think it was against Hawthorne, they were tackling up high, pinning the arms. They couldn't get rid of it. That then creates a bit of pressure on the team. We run away with it. And that's what we were doing. We are doing the handball game. I just think if you're going to tackle, tackle right. And I don't know, because of the soft cap, we don't have a tackling coach, but I love it when a player like Cripps runs somebody down and tackles from behind. On the weekend, I watched about four or five instances, and especially in the last quarter, guys were either spent or they just didn't want to apply a bit of pressure. And that's where I think we probably lost the game.
0: Yeah, I see, that's why a lot of people actually have that same sentiment as you, and that's why I know there would be a lot of people disagreeing me out there, and that, that's fine. It's just an opinion that I, I think tackling is overrated, and um, I've just gone through the reasons why. Yeah. Um, and with salary caps, it's probably the first coach to go would be tackling nowadays, wouldn't it? Well, look, uh, we,
1: we've got to talk about Shannon Hearn. He broke Dean Cox's record, 291 games. He's now the record holder at the club. We've got 12 games before finals. Touch wood, he doesn't get injured. I want him to become the first 300-game player for the Eagles. And I hope he actually plays on again next year. Um, and from more reports, he wants to continue on. But that's going to be up to the club at the end of the year because we have to make a decision on our older players. I think Kutchie's going to be gone. Um, does JK play on? It's going to be an interesting end of the year. But, you know, it's good to see that Bunga finally gets his deserves, you know?
0: Yeah, it was great to see um, Hearn and Ryan coming back together. You don't want too many injured players coming back together. It
1: wasn't the greatest game for them. They
0: were both very rusty. Mm. They really are. So... We, it looks like we've got a few players coming back around the same time. So, Gov, Shuey and Yo look all thereabouts. But i would try and stand there. I'll bring Yo back first. Then I'll bring Galve back. Then I'll bring Shuey. I wouldn't want all in one time. But well, was, we all saw what happened last week. Well,
1: Gov's a chance to play too. this week from what I heard. Yeah, I'll, I'll personally, I'll... But who, who knows? A chance in the waffle. Who knows? Because Eagles never tell you what's going on. It's fair enough. Before we get on to the, uh, quickly on the waffle wrap, uh, Wayne... Wanted to make a statement. He said, because he's been a defender all his life. I feel sorry for you, Wayne, sorry. Been a defender. <laughs> he's not here to defend himself. But with the new 15-metre rule, he, he wonders why Bunger's not... Um, he can kick 50, 60 metres, and he's just puzzling why he's not using that distance. I think sorry, I saw him use him twice on the weekend. He needs a clear, you know. Uh, myself, I don't know, maybe it's a club directive.
0: yeah well it did cost us a couple times chips but I do put that down to rust as a yep. whole like take the game on the weekend out of it. I would personally like to see them use that distance so if there is a turnover then it's a couple yep. in. when he's you done it a little bit of time to zone in
1: again and when he's done it it's been pretty good look we're going to talk about the waffle wrap um, Royals defeated the Eagles on uh, Saturday, I didn't see much of the game you did uh, Dan 12-13-85 to free goals 10 and it was, it was more about Elliot Yo. Really, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, that, that's... Getting through. That's what you wanted to see, and it was the Elliot Yo show. Um, Jamison took a few been put it. in the wet, kicked a nice crummy goal too, was yep. Jamison's goal. So he, he's coming along nicely. Um, he, you know, he's 12 months away. We want to see how he develops over the next 12 months. Um, Into next season, and we might have something special there if his development keeps going the way it is.
1: Well, Hutchy got Uh, thirty-seven. I was
0: just about to say Hutching was a surprise packer. People forgotten about him. He was by far best on ground. Hutch in a game that wasn't the greatest for, and there's. We've touched on all the reasons why this waffle team yep. not going to a and that didn't change. Again, no height in defence.
1: But that was the most um, AFL players we've had on the ground this year.
0: No, I believe uh, wasn't it the round one?
1: No, they had eleven. We had twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one one more. Uh, but Cameron. Who, who, who did we have in there? But Cameron did do his ankle in the first minute of the game. Mm-hmm. So we had Hutch in there. He got thirty-seven. Ben Johnson twenty-five. Um, Ainsworth got 24 possessions, Foley got 23, Uh, Zane True got 20, O'Neill had 17, Luke Edwards got 16 possessions, Jamison 12 with the one goal you said, and I did see that in the highlights. Langdon got 12 disposals, and Vardy had 21 hitouts but very few disposals, but Cameron. um, very interesting. And Yoey. Uh
0: Apart from Vardy, it's all right for light, <laughs> they're, all, they're all small players. We need some high... Yeah. With Harry Edwards not there in defence, it's... Uh,
1: well, you got Vardy uh, and Jamison and all the rest of uh, yeah, uh, knee-high.
0: The good thing about Yoi's game too, which would excite a lot of people, was because we've talked about tackling and pressure, eight tackles that game. And Nine they had it. Brings, Nine he, officially. Yeah, he brings that, that aspect because he is our best pressure yeah. player. And... That's where people underestimate how much of a loss that is. People go, oh, you can't blame injuries. It's like, well, it's not an excuse. It's a reality. Once we get these players back, that's why I'm quite happy where we are position-wise on the ladder, as long as we can keep these players. In the AFL. Yeah, yeah, as long as <laughs> we can keep these players on the park. But Yo's first kick was a 60-metre bomb. So it shows he's still got power in those legs. Yeah, and that's so what people worry about. That yeah, yep. you have these groin issues, you can't kick long and you can't sprint and see... His first kick, you saw. Well, he's got that power in his legs again. So once he gets like match fitness back in, he'll be back to his best in six months or so easily.
1: Well, let's hope he's back in. We'll talk about that in the next uh, segment. Uh, look, Eagles play South Fremantle down at Fremantle Oval now. If you if you go on the last week's game, East Perth were the second bottom team, so this could be a very messy scoreline. but hey, who knows? We might surprise some people. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Um Yo yeah, we might not be there, he might be in the AFL, but let's talk about that and bounce down.
0: It's bounce down.
1: Round 11 at Opta Stadium this Saturday, 29th of May, 5.40pm kickoff against Essendon. It's going to be a wet day. Uh, the Eagles are a $1.22 favourites of sports bet and Essendon are great value at $4.25. But if you're going to bet, bet responsible. So I don't bet and I won't because I never win. <laughs> Do you it's bet? good reason not to <laughs> uh, Look, um, Essendon are coming in in this game off a 70... Two-point win over the Roos last round. And they're 11th on the ladder with four wins, six losses. Got a good percentage, but they're the sixth best percentage in the league. And Eagles are 7th with six wins and four losses. So it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, They're pretty even on the last five times they have met. Um... And at Optus, the well, Eagles have won the last, three out of the last five. But at Optus, it's Eagles two and Essendon one. And Essendon won by 28 points way back in 2018.
0: Yeah, very important game for us. But guess what, Wazza? Every game
1: is Every game is important. For, yeah. um, look, it's going to be it. The weather's going to probably play a big part in this. So if it was dry, people would probably be thinking Essendon, they did that run and stun game. They've got, really got no defence. They're coming up a team that's got a good defence. Um, and Essendon have shown that when they come up a game against, that's got a good defence, they can't break through. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, does wet weather favour a side? I don't know. Eagles aren't very great at the ground ball by st- statistics and stats. But um, who knows, man? It's going to be interesting.
0: Well... Back in the day, is like the contested marking used to go right down in the wet, you know, marking as a whole. Yep. But it doesn't seem to be as big a problem nowadays. I don't know if it's the grip they put on their hands or what it is, but in wet weather footy, you seem them clunk a lot more marks where even 10 years ago you wouldn't really see They
1: probably them. use that. We used to use uh, bout grip. Bout grip,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what they called it the other day, I can't remember what it was. Um, but if anything, it would favour the Bombers being a quick side um, if it is very wet. it's not to say we can't win. I expect us to win. Um, well, if it's going
1: to be wet, we probably won't go in too tall.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think we should. I think we should drop a tall and bring in a player like Jones, for instance. Um, but- but the funny thing to me is... Their weapon is pace. Yeah. Um, but you beat pace by good disposal yeah. efficiency and setting up defensively. And Sorry. starving
1: them of their
0: possessions. That's it. So that, that's what I mean yeah. by, like, disposal efficiency, like, as in, like, you possess the ball, you kick it, you chip it around, you don't let them get their own. Um, but the thing is, I always say this, the glass is never half full, the glass is never half empty. If your glass half full is you've got pace, the downsides of pace is a lot of times a player will run and he'll be so gassed, he'll just try to bomb it long, which will feed into our hands. So their pace could be their their Achilles heel in this game, especially if McGovern comes back, and I pray McGovern comes back, because uh, I said it in the last segment, uh, he was sorely missing. I think we're so used to having him now that he's flying under the radar because we're so used to that. But if they're running and bombing it long, and we've got McGovern intercept marking, and then we're attacking from defence with good disposal efficiency, that's where we win this game. As far as I'm
1: concerned, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. Um, look, you just said we're going to drop a tour, so who are you going to drop? I know who I'd drop.
0: Uh, I'm a huge fan of his, um, but it, Sally would have to be Waterman. I think you still need Williams for the uh, oh. backup Ruckman. Brandon had a horrible game last week, but yet he's playing on a wing, so you don't want to deplete the midfield, and he's quick as well. So if you're saying, yes, he's quick, we need that pace. So I love Petru Sally and him being in there. Um, and his games prior to last week have been very good as well. So it, Sally be Waterman, even though I'm a massive fan.
1: All right, well, I'm going to go different to you, and this is my reason. Right. I want Wadham in the team because his brother's going to be on the other side. So, for media, it's going to be brilliant. Brother versus brother. Yeah. Right. But I'd drop Harry Edwards and swing Oscar back. Yeah,
0: but see, I'm hoping Gov comes in. So, if Harry goes out, that'll be all.
1: Well, that's the other option. And that's but to me, even if he didn't, if Gov doesn't come in, I'd be dropping Edwards and swinging Oscar back. Oscar back. Okay. That's the way I'd do it. Um And like you said, I'd bring in... um JJ. So maybe somebody else has got to come out for that. Uh, I know Brandon didn't have a great game last week, but I'm hoping they don't drop him. But this is where it comes down to team balance. I fought our team balance last week before the game was a bit too tall. Um, it's going to be interesting because you got guys pressing for a game, but we quickly go on to the injury list. Ally, yo, he could be coming in. Yep. So... To me, Brandon will make way if he comes in.
0: We talked on tackling and pressure.
1: That's what he brings, does And that's it. So, uh, Shuey's about four weeks off yet. So, they were saying after the bye. It's going to be a few games after the bye. McGovern, we don't know because the Eagles haven't released. If it, They said several weeks at first, but the last thing I saw was a test. So, I don't know. Duggan's still got four more weeks. Isaiah Windy's probably out for the rest of the year. Meniscus. Um, you know, we can't count Venables or Rioli. And Essendon, well, they've got Devin Smith, who would probably play if he was fit, but he's three weeks away. Stringer is a test, um, and Draper is a test, even though they've got one or two weeks written on there, they're a test. Uh, Jai Cordwell, is it? The ex-Giants guy, he's out for the rest of the year. And Shields, probably out for the rest of the year. And Hurley... He won't be back to the end of the year. So it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, the injury's a bit even there. This wet weather, if Eagles can win, this they've got to win. It's a must win. They can't lose it.
0: Well, I said last, so I can't remember if it was on air, the next four games, I wanted to win two. I think we could win all. Don't get me wrong. Well, we've dropped one. <laughs> but if you win two and two and then go in and then start to get these players back and keep them on the field... Then we're following the Richmond mould where we've just got to be the best team in the last 10 to 8 weeks coming into finals. So we'll be in a great position. If we go uh, 8 and 6, that's not the end of the world because then you run home and get consecutive wins in the final eight games. We could sneak in top four easily. Well, we can
1: really, if you want to be top four, you only can afford to lose four more for the whole year. All right? statistically, if you've got to win at least 14 to 15 games, right? So we've got 12 games left, so you only can drop four of them. This game, Eagles should not be dropping. It's at home. Essendon, are a young team. They've got three guys, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, and Harrison Jones that have played a handful of games, but they're playing every week. They've got Merritt, Parrish, McGrath. They're your sort of runners on the ball. Um, tipper up forward. You know, if you take Tipper out of the game, you're probably going to win the game. So Will Shepard Shepherd could be a late out here as well from what I'm um, But who do you put on a tipper? Do you put...
0: Oh, put Cole. He's, Cole. he's less attacking than the others. He's more solid defence. i I'd No, Nelson? Oh, Nelson, I'm not sure. Nelson will try and play a bit offensive unless he's told 100% to tag. But he might try and run off and use a little bit of his pace every now and then. Um, you could even go, because they're not an overly tall forward line, you could even go rough and give up a little bit of pace but use that height to make sure he can't All Right.
1: ball. I'd be using, um, we've said it before, Nelson on a lockdown roll, and I'd just be locking down either McGrath or Parrish. Let Merritt run a bit. He's going to get the ball. And I just think McGrath hurts you more than Merritt does and I think Parish hurts you more than Merritt does even though I rate Merritt one of the best players in the comp.
0: I could understand Parrish. I would tag
1: Merritt over McGrath, though. That's just me. It depends if McGrath's playing a half-back line, if he's playing in the guts. He usually plays in the guts against us for some reason. Um, Hooker is probably... People were writing him off at the start of the year, saying he would just be there getting his pension. He's playing really good football up forward, so that's where we probably need Brass on top of him. Yep. Um, Laverty's playing back. So it's going to be an interesting game. I really want to see both Watermans play. I'd love to see that.
0: Oh, I would, but you've got to take the romance out of footy. Somehow, <laughs> sorry, so. So if if they deem that we're too tall, um, take romance away and make the
1: good Yeah, look, a win's goes. more important. Um, but I could just see... Um, Jake going down on him at one stage and trying to give him a bit. I just there's uh, cockiness about him. Great story though, Waterman. Isn't it? I
0: love that story. Well, he kicked, He's only played.
1: Again. He's only played three games with the Bombers, but he kicked two goals again, and he's got a big kick. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, hopefully, yeah, he might not even get named yet. Who knows? But because he kicked two goals last week, I'm pretty sure he will. All right, winner in margin, mate. All right, <laughs> uh, Eagles by
0: twenty-seven.
1: 27. I'm going to say, because it's um, wet, I'll say Eagles by 18. Mm. But um, I'm not... Oh, yeah, I am confident. I reckon Eagles win. If they can't win this, they they won't be playing finals. Simple as that. They've got to win these games that they should be winning. Um, And I saw a, a quote during the week, and it's probably got nothing to do with footy but i'm going to make it does to play the wrong note is insignificant but to play without passion is inexcusable so if eagles go and play with passion they'll win
0: yeah very much so
1: so let's hope it's a win we're going to be back here next week hopefully wayne's back on the couch with dan um download the show on any of the big leading podcast pages like SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Uh, there's plenty more. Or you can go to Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and download the show from there as we post every Tuesday night. And um, yeah, let's hope for an Eagles win. I'll
0: tell you what, before we go, was it? Oh, wait. Excited. we got a tinfoil hat. That's right. Get excited. I forgot. We have a tinfoil hat moment. That's it. Bring it up. Okay. So everyone knows that the media controls the narrative and that's in everything. But especially in the AFL. And the the problem with the AFL is the media is major centric in Victoria and the AFL as a whole is centric in Victoria. So, Eagles away form isn't great. So, we get table uh, labelled at track, flat, oh, flat... Flat track. track bullets. <laughs> yeah. So, it's okay to throw that narrative out there. And it's Port Adelaide too. They can't win away at home. They can't win away at home. But realistically, this isn't our problem. This is a competition wide problem. We're just interstate teams. So you take the two grand finals from last year. Cats, 0-2 away. You take the Premiers away. Tigers, 0-2 away. The undefeated Melbourne just lost to the Crows. And guess what? That was away. Bulldogs, who are in ripping form, ripping form. And I agree, they're one of the Premiership players, as should be. When they played Etihad, they scored an average of 99 points soon as they're off Etihad, and I'm not even talking interstate games, I'm so saying away from Etihad, it drops by four goals. Their average is 75 points. So it's a four-goal turnaround. So the reason the media, and this is where the tinfoil hat really comes into play, a Vic-centric media labels Eagles flat-track bullies, labels Port Adelaide flat-track bullies, two interstate teams, is because that's a, the narrative they want to play. They don't want the narrative to play... Biased AFL rears its ugly head again. Unfair competition shows the lack of equality in the competition. These aren't things they want. They're not narratives they want. And I think that's very interesting to look at it that way, because you just heard the stats. So yes, I'm yep. probably that's what Tim Foyle hat moment is people. But the stats back it up. We're actually ranked, I think, middle of the pack for away wins. We are. Um so it's That's just the narrative they want. So they throw flat-track bullies out because then that divides it. And we hear it a lot as supporters. So we buy into it as supporters as well. We think, oh, we can't win away. No one wins away, and I don't understand why, but it's a common thread. And the only teams that do kind of win away is usually at this start of the season is ones of a fixturing issue where they're getting lowly teams away. Yep.
1: Um, And I agree 100% with you. And... It's funny that you say that because one of my favourite journos is Damien Barrett, yep. right? And he's usually pretty much on the money every time. But he is one that uses flat-track bullies a hell of a lot, especially with the Eagles and Port Adelaide. Who's he work for? He works with the AFL. AFL.com. AFL. AFL. But he got caught out on it two weeks ago, and he couldn't get out of it. Yep. And now I think he's starting to realise that it is Vic Centric and other teams, and it's, it's happened for years and years and years. you year away form. It
0: comes up, but that turn yep. comes up all the time.
1: And it's funny that when Eagles in 2018 won away, they never got caught it and they won the Premiership. Yeah. But well, you know what I mean?
0: It is what it is. Yeah. So you still got to win half. But could you imagine the uproar if every week it was AFL, the quality in AFLs at all time low? Yep. Um, you know. Vic Bias rears up the head. If that was a narrative every week, they of them would have to be forced to make a change because the media controls the narrative. So if the narrative was different, the result would be very different.
1: Yes, very true. And I like that tinfoil hat. We've got to get a segment, a uh, little yeah. intro for that then.
0: Like the crinkling sound of the alfoil going on the
1: head. I was going to say something more crass, but <laughs> I was going to contact Willie, but we'll yeah. leave that to it. Maybe. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, join us next week on Eagle Nation. Thank you.